0: created by the Rio Grande Oil Company. Lieutenant Police calling all cars. Attention all cars broadcast 85 regarding a murder. Mrs. Maud Ross was found murdered this afternoon in her home on East Avenue 28. That's all. Rose and a big city to the Rio Grande Roll of Honor. That fast-growing list of cities which protect their taxpayers by specifying Rio Grande cracks gasoline exclusively for all emergency engines. For years, Rio Grande has powered more police cars, ambulances, and fire engines than any other brand of gasoline. Cities like Los Angeles, Oakland, Berkeley, Fresno, Merced, and many others have proved to their taxpayers that this patented Process gasoline, which costs no more than other brands, speeds up emergency motors faster than ever, creates greater power, yet actually reduces automobile operating costs. And now another great western city decides to specify Rio Grande cracks gasoline to protect its citizens. In Maricopa County, Arizona, where all sheriffs and county cars have long been using Rio Grande cracks gasoline, the advantages and economies have been so obvious. But now Arizona's largest city, Phoenix, has joined the other progressive municip- municipalities that use Rio Grande exclusively. Approximately half the people of the entire state of Arizona are now protected by police and emergency equipment powered with Rio Grande-cracked gasoline. With the many police cars, fire engines, and ambulances of Phoenix, Arizona added to the total on the Rio Grande honor roll of cities, it is now more than ever a fact that Rio Grande cracked gasoline is used in more emergency vehicles in California and Arizona than all other brands combined. With so many shrewd city purchasing agents specifying the same Rio Grande cracked gasoline that your neighborhood service station offers you, what greater proof can you ask? Now, will you try Rio Grande? And now we are privileged to present Captain Bert Wallace of the homicide detail of the Los Angeles Police Department. Captain Wallace. Good evening, friends. There is nothing thrilling about a murder, nothing romantic about a criminal, and not much excitement about detective work. Murders happen to the people like you and me and are committed by persons like you and me. Stripped of all the trimmings of sensationalism, the solution of a crime is a matter of hard work and little fireworks. The difference between the criminal and the police officer is the difference between wrong and right. Other than that, it is a matter of human beings putting their wits against each other. The criminal has the card stacked against him from the first. His preliminary mistake was to think he could get away with murder, basing his reasoning on a primary false premise. It follows that everything he does as a result of his act will probably be stupid and fail in its purpose of evading the law. From the moment he commits this crime, the lawbreaker attempts to match wits with men smarter than he is he fails because he is wrong and because well no sooner or later he must flatten up in his flight from the law his pursuers never relax their vigilance tonight without any of the melodramatics which people like to associate with crime and detectives, we will follow a couple of hard-working officers as they untangle the problem presented by a crime of passion Afternoon. We haven't done anything but play checkers since 9 o'clock this morning. Your move. Well, this will give you some excitement. <laughs> One, and two, and three. <laughs> and give me a change. Well, I'm a son of a gun. <laughs> I must be asleep or something. Uh, you may be the checker whiz around Central, but you're just a piker out here at Lincoln Heights. Well, I guess you're right. Uh, I'll get it. I can wait. Probably some dame talking about the guy next door burning rubbish after hours. Lincoln Heights, Detective. What? Yes? Yes? East Avenue 28? Yes. Oh, yes, ma'am. We'll be right out. Come on, Eddie. What's up? All Mm -hmm. right, folks. Stand by. Clear off the porch now. I'm Mrs. Howard, officer. I've told you. Oh, yes, Mrs. Howard
1: right this way. Oh, it's the most terrible thing, officer. Poor Mrs.
0: Ross. Did uh, you discover the body?
1: No, Mrs. Ross. Little girl found it when she came home from school. Mrs.
0: Ross is the victim. Yes,
1: Mrs. Maude Ross. She's in there.
0: Thank you. We'll have a look around. Oh, and don't go away, Mrs. Howard. We'll want to ask you some questions and we'll want to talk to the little girl, too. Yes, sir.
1: We'll be right here in the front
0: room. Now, Max, let's get out there. Uh, would you look at that? Ah, uh, looks like he beat her head in. He? Well, what makes you think a man did it? Uh, that would be a pretty powerful woman to do this job. Look where one of the swipes missed her head and took a quarter-inch gouge out of this door so. Well, we can be sure of one thing. Robbery wasn't the motive. Why? And look. What's this, uh, this purse here? There's about, about $50 in it. Yeah. See anything looks like the weapon? Nope. You called the coroner, didn't you? Yeah, I told the sergeant to as we left the station. Yeah, well, we better get a fingerprint man out here, too. I'm gonna talk to that little girl. Is <laughs> uh Mr. Lundbottom is Alright? Yes, this
1: is better. No, dear try not to take it so hard. This gentleman is a policeman. he wants to
0: ask you some questions. All right. You, uh, found your mother?
1: Yes. When I came home from school this afternoon, I came in, <laughs> and there yes, she was. No, when had you seen
0: her before? <laughs>
1: she made me breakfast when she got home this morning.
0: When she got home this morning?
1: <laughs> Mrs. Ross worked at night in an
0: office building. Oh, I
1: see. She always got me breakfast and sent me off to school.
0: <laughs> Who do you think did this to uh, your mother? Did <laughs> I...
1: That I know of, She's too busy working all the time. She had a mighty hard time of it, making ends meet. Well, there's more than
0: $50 in the pocketbook in there.
1: Well, you see, she just got her monthly pay yesterday. Pardon here, Eddie. Think
0: she's been dead six or seven hours. See, place places around nine o'clock. What time did you leave for school, Betty?
1: I always go at eight thirty.
0: Well, that would indicate someone was familiar with the habits of the household. Now, Mrs. <laughs> Howard, whom do you think we would... You don't want
1: yeah. to ask Betty any more questions right now, yes. do you, officer? <laughs> the poor child is so upset. No,
0: but I would like to ask yes, you yes, just... yes, yes, I know.
1: Now, Betty, you run over to my house. <laughs> Sally's got some tea brewing and some nice cookies. Yes, ma'am. But you'll come soon, won't you, Mrs. Howard? <laughs> I'm going to miss mommy so. Yes, dear, I'll be right along, Charlie. <laughs> I didn't want the poor child to hear this, but I have got my suspicion. Mm. What are they? Well, I think you ought to find Mrs. Roth's husband. He might know something about this.
0: Oh, she is married then.
1: Yes, married and divorced. He sued her for divorce somewhere back in Kansas, but she sued him too, and she got it. She's often told me she was afraid of it. Why? Well, she never would say. Uh,
0: what is this husband's name?
1: Harry Roth. Where does he live? Over on Museum Drive somewhere. I don't know the exact address.
0: you know where he works?
1: Yes, he works
0: for the city. Oh, for
1: the city? Yes, he's a brickmason. Oh,
0: that would be the engineering department. We can locate him through them. Right. You'll take care of the little girl, will you, Mrs. Howard?
1: Oh, gladly.
0: Uh, we'll remove the body to the morgue, and uh, we'll post an officer out front to keep people away. Thank you very much for your assistance, Mrs. Oh, Howard.
1: You're quite welcome, gentlemen.
0: Okay, Eddie. Let's start on the trail of this rock, rock. Tracing Roth's address to the city engineering department, Detectives McBride and Romero await his arrival from work at his little cottage on Museum Drive. Finally, a man who answers Roth's description drives up to the house, and after a moment of indecision, approaches the two officers. Is your name Roth? Yeah, what of it. When did you last see your wife? A wife? I ain't got no wife. Mrs. Maud Roth isn't your wife? Oh, well, oh, she's my ex-wife. I ain't seen her in five years, I guess. Didn't you know she was murdered this morning, then? Morg murdered? Oh, yes. Gidding. Oh, no, we're not. We're from police headquarters. Oh, who did it? That's what we're trying to find out. Have you any idea? No. Just like I told you, I ain't seen her for years. Where were you this morning, Ross? Oh, I went to work as usual. Between 8 a.m. and 10 o'clock, what were you doing? Well, I left the house here at 8 a.m. like I always do. Then where'd you go? drove to the Yale Street Yards of the City Street Department where I reported to work. What time did you get there? About 8.15. Where did you go from there? Well, my gang was loading seamen on a truck for a manhole job we was working on at 21st and Coberman. When they got it all loaded, they drove out in the truck and I followed them in my car. What time did you get on the job? Around 9 o'clock, I guess it was. Aren't you sure? Say, I don't have to carry a stop around to frame alibis. What are you guys doing? Accuse me of killing Maud. We're not accusing anybody, but we we'll have to ask you to come in with us till we check your story. To the Yale Street Yards, the city engineering department, the officers go to question Roth's fellow workmen. Now, Pop, can you remember what time Roth arrived here yesterday? Uh,
1: yeah. He got here about uh, 15, same time he always does.
0: He says that he had his men load that truck and followed them to the job at 21st and Toberman Street. Is that right? Yes, yeah, he got there a few minutes after we did. Now, what time was that? Well, now, I don't know exactly. Uh, do you remember when Ross uh, got out to the job yesterday, well, well, I ain't sure of the exact moment in the minute, but Bub Buddy was around at 9 o'clock. Around 9 o'clock. Before or after nine? Well, I can't say. Just as long as it took us to drive from here out to Stoberman Street. Remember any of the circumstances about Roth yesterday morning, Club? Uh, what do you mean, circumstances? Oh, how'd he act? Any different than usual? No, he was just the same. He always acts surly. Nothing unusual happened yesterday. Well, no, nothing that I can remember. Say, there was that guy he was talking to. What guy? While we was loading the truck, some b- b- bird came up to Ross. They were walked over there by the shed and talked for a few minutes. Oh, what did they talk about? I c- couldn't hear. They were too, too, too far away, but Ross seemed sore at this guy. He cussed him plenty, plenty when he left. What did this mystery man look like? Oh, I did, didn't notice him but particularly. He was just a guy wore a, b- a business just a guy in a business suit. Well, that's not much of a description. Did you see him, Pop? Oh, yes, I, I saw him, but, well, I didn't pay no attention to him. Did either of you ever hear Ross mention his wife? Oh, yes. <laughs> he didn't like her none. What did he say about her? Oh, he, he had it in for her. How do you know? Well, he, he used to say he hated her bad enough to kill her. He, he didn't love like <laughs> women anyway, He's said there was no b- b- better than the dog. He did his wife bad enough to kill her, eh? Well, that ought to be enough to hold him on suspicion of murder. Well, we can't hold this guy forever on suspicion of murder, Mac. We got him in here for a week now, and nothing's turned up. I know it, but I'm convinced he killed her. Now, we got to prove that. Why we have to on the murder weapon, yet? Well, I've had men searching the riverbed for a metal bar. Why metal? Well, it must have been a bar of metal he used. If it had been wood, there would have been some splinters around. And anyway, wood couldn't have gouged that door jam the way it was. Well, his alibi is pretty tight. Why, right, the construction job at 21st and Toberman is six miles from the scene of the crime. Six miles right across town. He'd have to do some tall traveling to get out there from the Yale Street Yards and back to Toberman in 21st in less than a half an hour. And we know the approximate times he was at both places. Well, maybe he used an airplane, but I'm convinced he did. Eager to get an indictment against the man, they have every reason to suspect of the murder. Detectives Romero and McBride take the results of their investigation to Deputy District Attorney James Costello. So, these are the facts in the case, Jimmy. What can we do about it? Well, boys, he's done a splendid job. But there still isn't enough evidence here to hold Ross to answer for murder. That's what I was afraid of. You didn't find any fingerprints out there? None that didn't belong to the victim or her daughter. I think it would be a good idea to look the place over again. Have you missed something. Okay. I'll send Ed King and Jesse Wynn along to help you. Fine. We'll go out there right away. Reinforced by Ed King and Jesse Wynn, special investigators from the district attorney's office, Romero and McBride return to the murder house on Avenue 28, where they meet Mrs. Howard the next-door neighbor. We want to go through Mrs. Ross's house again, Mrs. Howard. Have you the keys?
1: Why, yes, but I don't know what you'll find there now. Why? Well, after the men were finished going through the house of fingerprints and whatnot, I cleaned it up so it could be rented again.
0: You, you mean to say you've changed everything around?
1: Why, yes. Is that wrong? Right?
0: Oh, you should have waited until we told you to do that, Mrs. Howard. Well, I'm sorry,
1: but I didn't Where know did you
0: put the stuff say? you cleaned out?
1: Why, I turned it in the incinerator out there.
0: Well, oh, boys, that's, bad. Uh, well, anyway, you might as well take Win inside, Mac, and show him the layout. Ed and I will have a look at the incinerator just for luck. <laughs> You'll need it. Now, come on, Jesse. Will you uh, let us in, please, Mrs. Howard? Why,
1: gladly. I'm awful sorry about this. Well, I, don't know
0: about it. I guess that's the incinerator out there, Ed. Yeah, it looks like it. That's ah, too bad she's cleaned everything up. Yeah. Not much chance of finding anything here. A lot of old bottles and cans. Well, let's poke around. There's a piece of paper that isn't burned. What would it say? and yeah, nothing. It's just an old grocery bill. And an old scrap, a half-burned doll. Hey, wait a minute. Here's another scrap of paper. Looks like a piece of faded blueprint. Yeah, that's what it is. The number's here on the corner. Number 8558. Uh, I guess it doesn't mean anything, though. Wait a minute. Look at the way it's been creased. Yeah, what of it? It might have been wrapped around a long, narrow object, a bar of iron or a piece of pipe. Oh, well, it might, but it's a pretty slender clue. Any clues worth tracking down in this case, let's check on this blueprint. Gwynn and McBride continue their close rechecks of the scene of the crime, Romero and King visit the county surveyor's office in an attempt to trace the fragment of blueprints. Hello, Romero. Hello, Tommy. You know Ed King from the DA's office, don't you? Sure. Hi, Ed. Okay. Well, what are you boys losing for now? Uh, we're trying to trace the blueprint, number eight, five, five, eight. Can you tell us what construction it covered? Well, let's see. Eight five five eight. Ought to be in the book here. Yeah, here it is, number eight five five eight. Yeah, that covered the construction of the manholes in the Central Warehouse District between Lincoln Park and the General Hospital. That job in nineteen twenty three. So far, so good. Now, here's a half-burned fragment of that print. Can you tell me who it was issued to? Well, now you're asking riddles, Romero. How should I know? Don't you keep records of who gets these blueprints? No. Well, that doesn't sound very efficient. Well, here's the way our blueprints are issued. Men working on a particular job send us a request for a print. Of his name and address. And as soon as the prints delivered, we destroy that card. Why, on this man's whole job, probably a hundred blueprints were issued. If we get the permanent record, we'd have to take over the city hall for this one department. Yeah, but we've got to know who had this particular blueprint. Yeah, well, I'm afraid, boys, that you're out of luck. Bill, refusing to give up, the two detectives visit the city engineer's office when workmen are assigned to the various construction jobs. Well, Sir boys, what can I do for you? We're trying to trace a fellow who worked on construction job 8558. 8-5-5-8. 8558? What was that? Uh, I was a manhole job in the Central Warehouse District about three years ago. You got a record of the men who worked on it? No. We don't keep records on the personnel. after the job's job finished. finish. Yeah, can you imagine that, Ed? I'm not surprised. Well, listen. This is important. Will you look through your files and see if, just by accident, you still have the information? Okay, but i sure it isn't there. Well, make doubly sure. Go through the files. We'll be back later. Okay. Let's go, Ed. I want to go through Roth's car. What's on your mind? Well, I got an idea. I know what the murder weapon was. What? You know the way that piece of blueprint was folded? Like it had been wrapped around a long, thin object? Yeah. You know what a gad is? Oh, What is it? A bar metal about the size of a shovel handle. They use it to break up paving blocks. Same way a carpenter uses a chisel on a bigger scale with a sledgehammer. Oh, that'd make a mean weapon, wouldn't it? I'll say. And there's a full flock of them around the Yale Street yard. Roth would naturally have access to them in his work. That's why I want to look over his car. The murder weapon might still be in it. Okay, let's go. Oh, I don't see anything like a gad under the front seat here. You got anything in the rumble? Yeah, I hear a lot of old blueprints. Look, some of them are four and five years old. Say, here's a shoot of overalls. Anything on them? Uh, we'll see, enough. There's a couple of suspicious-looking stains. It looks like grease to me. Might be, and again, they might not. We'll just take them in for analysis. Well, what's the idea of coming all the way down here to the yard? Well, we got to wait for the chemist's report anyway, and there's one point in Ross's alibi I want to check on. What's that? Roth contends that he couldn't have left here at 8.30, driven to Avenue 28, committed the murder, and gotten over to 21st and Silverman by 9 o'clock. Oh, that's right. Well, we're going to see whether he could or not. We're passing the yards now. Check the time. Okay. Well, here we are in front of Mrs. Roth's house. How long does that take uh, six minutes. And if we give him ten minutes to murder his wife, that would still leave him fifteen to get over to 21st and Toperman. Well, let's see if that's possible. Okay. Hey, wait a minute. That guy in the milk truck across the street is waving to us. He's walking over this way. Hey, important uh, but are you, Detective. Yeah. You are trying to solve Mrs. Ross' murder? That's right. Well, I know something about it, or something funny at any rate, and maybe you ought to know it. What is it? Well, I've been seeing a guy hanging around outside Mrs. Roth's house when I made my deliveries. What time is that? Oh, I usually get out here by 5.15. How often did you see this man around? Oh, three or four times in the past month. Did you see him on January 17th, the day Mrs. Roth was murdered? Yeah, I, I seen him coming out of the house. At 5.15? Oh, no, it was around a quarter of nine. You said you make your deliveries at 5.15. Yeah, but this was the morning I was making my collection. You say that was about 8.45? Yeah, that's right. What did this man look like? Well, well he was about medium height. He didn't look like much of anything. Would you recognize him if you saw him again? Sure. Okay. You'll be down at Central Station at 5.30 this afternoon. We'll see if you can identify him from some suspect we have down there, okay? Sure. I'll be glad to. Ask for Romero. Romero. All right, Ed. Now let's plan the trip from here to 21st and Toberman. All right. I got it. Things are looking better, huh? Yeah, I'll say. Now, well, this milkman recognizes wrong. Twenty-first October, huh? How long does that take? Uh, Sixteen minutes. And if Roth was seen leaving his ex-wife's house at approximately eight forty-five, and he arrived here a few minutes after nine, oh, it all ducks Yeah, but it still won't convince the jury. Let's get back and hear what the chemist has to say about those grease spots. Doubtedly, the original spots in this sample were made by blood, over which grease had been smeared. But the action of the grease has absorbed the blood. That makes positive identification impossible. Yeah, I know his stuff, huh? Apparently. And you couldn't testify that these spots were made by blood? I'm uh, sorry, gentlemen, I could not. Stopped again. Come on, Ed. Well, where to now? Back to the city engineer's office. We'll see if that guy has found any record of Blueprint 8558. <laughs> How about it? Did you find anything on that manhole job? No, I'm sorry. The records are destroyed. Well, oh, can't you do something for us? We need a positive identification to clear this thing up. Well, I've asked Hank Lowry to come in and talk to you. He's an old-timer when he may be able to remember the job. Oh, Hank? Yeah, Harry? Here are the two detectors that are after some dope on that manhole job. See if you can help them out. Sure, I'd be glad to. What is it, boy? We're trying to find out who worked on this construction job, 8558. It was a manhole put in three years ago over in the Central Warehouse District. Oh, and let me see that print. Yeah, yeah, I recollect this job. It was the dad burned this woman a whole lot. We had to rebuild it did you Did you work on the job? Well, oh, I will say I did. In the heat of July, it was, too. Uh, who else was with you on it? Who else? Well, now, that's asking a lot, you know. They they come and they go. I don't know it's how I could say who was on this Well, think. Please try to remember.
2: Well, uh,
0: let, uh, let me see. There, there was that Mexican Dominguez. No, no, that's not right. That was another job over by the new hospital. There uh, must have been 10 or 15 in the gang on this job. I, I can't possibly remember them all. Only one that sticks in my mind at all was Harry Ross. Harry Ross, are you sure? Oh, of course, I'm sure my memory ain't never failed me yet. That's all we want to know. Come on, Ed. Well, our circumstantial evidence case looks better and better, huh? I'll say. Roth will have a tough time explaining how a burned piece of blueprint from a job he worked on three years ago was found in his dead wife's house when he claims he hasn't seen her for five years. Now, if we can only get an identification from that milkman. Well, here I am, Lieutenant. Right on job. Yeah, that's fine. Now, all we want you to do is to look over the men in the show-up in the next room. Tell me if the man you saw around Mrs. Ross that morning is one of them. Okay. Parade in the suspect, will you, Eddie? All right. This way, please. This what you call the show-up? Yeah. You throw these bright lights on the suspect's faces. They can't see you, but you can see them. Oh, that's so they don't bump you off after they get out, huh? Yeah, that's the general idea. Yeah, well, I don't see it. Quiet. Quiet. Here they come. Well, that's him. Heard from the left. Are you sure? Positive. All right, Sergeant. Take them back to their cells. Well, Ed, how do you say Our friend here just identified Roth as the man whom he saw leaving the scene of the crime at a quarter to nine. (laughs) Next day, the hard work of detectives Romero, King, Wynn, and McBride is rewarded when the grand jury indicts Harry Roth for the murder of his wife. Then McBride discovers the identity of the stranger with whom Roth had argued on the morning of his wife's death. Armed with this information, the officers question Roth again. Well, Roth, how about it? About what? You've been in the can long enough to think it over. Do you want to come clean? If you're talking about a confession, you're barking up the wrong tree. I got nothing to confess. Listen, Roth. We've got an identification of you by a man who saw you leaving your wife. I ain't got no wife. All right, then. Your ex-wife how? We'll seen meeting there at 8.45 on the morning of January 17th. After you'd brutally murdered her with a gad which you'd rolled up in a blueprint, number 8558. You guys sure are smarty. No, just thorough. Isn't it true that you were served with a subpoena for failure to contribute to the support of your child on that morning? I ain't talking. Well, we know that you were. That you had an argument with the process server and that you cursed him out of the yard. And you've expressed a bitter hatred for your wife on more than one occasion, haven't you? Sure I hated her. She got what was coming to her. And someone ought to bump the kid off, too, so that she wouldn't grow up to be like her old lady. Was that your plan, to come back and murder your daughter, too? I didn't do it, wise guy. You realize that anything you say may be used against you, Ross? That statement you just made is pretty incriminating. Yeah,
1: well, try to hang me on it.
0: Or any of the other nice little service you have, just
1: try to send me up.
0: That's exactly what we intend to do. <laughs> And that is exactly what the well-worked-out case developed by your police succeeded in doing. For Charles Ross was convicted of first-degree murder on June the 9th, 1926. He appealed and lost, and on October the 21st, 1927, sullen and unrepentant, he paid for his crime with his life on the Grim Gallows of San Quentin, another stretched neck in memoriam to the fact that crime does not pay. Thank you, Captain Wallace. Science plays a role in police work as important as the work of a detective. Science is used even to determine which is the speediest and most economical gasoline for police cars. Rio Grande Cracked Gasoline has been selected more than all other brands because it is refined by the newest scientific method. Scientists of the worldwide Sinclair Oil Organization perfected cracking, which is recognized by all authorities as the most efficient refining process known. Rio Grande, as the western unit of Sinclair Oil, has the exclusive right to make cracked gasoline by this patented cracking process. And although it costs more to manufacture, it costs you no more to buy Rio Grande cracked gasoline. Use the same gasoline specified by cities for their emergency automobiles. And enjoy police car performance in your own car. in the Great Atlantic Fleet of the United States Navy are lubricated by Sinclair Oil. Another year's contract has been awarded to Sinclair because the United States Navy has used Sinclair Oil year after year and has yet to find better oils at any price. For only 25 cents a quart, you can buy Sinclair Opaline Motor Oil at any service station selling Rio Grande Cracked Gasoline. Use the oil your Navy chooses. Attention all cars, the cancellation broadcast 85 regarding a murder. Suspect in this case is now in custody. That's all. Rolls and <laughs> next week's true police drama. This is your narrator, Frederick Lindsley, bidding you good night for the Rio Grande Oil Company.